Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Two on Charlotte. Jokic gets it across the timeline. Gets a high pick and pop with Murray. Lindsay breaking through. Taken away by Nathan McKinnon. Two on two with Landeskog. He has done it again. Vaughn Miller, ladies and gentlemen. Dog two hands. Nikola Jokic. Save me by Grubauer with the left pad. Oh, goodness gracious me. Take a good luck. You won't see it for long. Two on home run. Trevor Story. Lock. Ends on. Welcome in, welcome in to the Denver Sports Podcast brought to you by our phenomenal friends over at Breckenridge Brewery. Stop down by the bar and try out any of their more more beers than I can count on tap. Had a strawberry sky myself just earlier. Uh, got it in that big old member glass. So head on over to the dnbr.com. 22 ounces are no joke. Dude, I I totally forgot that that was what we did, and they handed me the glass. I was like, oh, I don't know if I can drink all of this. Obviously, I did. Strawberry Sky, delicious, especially out of the tap. Those extra four ounces will get you every time. They'll they'll get you every time, especially if you're Rudo. Now I understand why he's running to the bathroom four times a show uh, during the uh, pre- and post-games. Get those 22 ounces. So head on over to the dnvr.com, sign up for a membership, then head down to the bar. And uh, get a get a 22 ounce Breckenridge Brewery on tap. Uh, I'm your host for today, Jesse Montano, joined by my uh, temporarily Canadian friend AJ Hayfley. Uh, I know you and I just kind of went over it, but it sounds like you're staying just warm enough. Uh, Winnipeg treating you all right? Yeah, yeah, we're good so far, man. As long as uh, uh, there was a, there was a problem day one with some of the groceries because I couldn't get any of my caffeine fixes. And I was like, <laughs> y'all about to meet a real miserable version of me if we can't can't correct any of this. Um, yeah, we got uh, we got a square away. We got creative. I, I always think of you whenever I see a, a bottle of Mountain Dew that goes all the way back to the media school days. I remember I'd get like, do you guys need anything? You're like, Mountain Dew? I'll just start Mountain Dew and gummy bears, baby. 
Yeah, I had to uh, I had to kick the gummy bears, but the Mountain Dew is actually part of a special Amazon order coming this week. Ooh, there you go. I had could someone not, give me all- could not get it otherwise, so had to I had to kind of take a different route. I had someone on Twitter last week telling me uh, that nobody gets groceries delivered, and that I was like, I don't know who you're talking to. I know people that haven't gone to a grocery store in three years. Uh, March 2020, last time I. Uh, Last time I really went to a grocery store, or like grocery uh, there were a couple. There were a couple of times uh, in the summer last year uh, here in here in Winnipeg where I sucked it up and went. But otherwise, I don't mess with it in the state. Bro, it's two hour delivery if you're over a certain dollar amount. It's just like it doesn't make any sense not to. Yeah, I mean, it really like it's really it, it's for me. For me, it's been a, a change for the better in my life. Yeah, no, it's uh, me massive anxiety. So, there's a lot of things that technology does that, like, you're like, eh, maybe kind of like the old way better. Groceries to your doorstep. Yeah. Big step forward for everyone. Uh, AJ, let's let's get into it today. Uh, look, we've been kind of looking for a way to get into this stuff a little bit on the DNVR Avalanche podcast. We've mentioned it, we've touched on it. Um, we're kind of wanting to see where it was going, but. Uh, we are far enough into this that I think it's at least worth a conversation. And I thought uh, this podcast is a good platform because it does really extend beyond hockey, uh, which is where obviously you and I spend a lot of our time and energy. Um, everyone is very well aware of the situation going on in Ukraine. The invasion uh, of Russia doesn't look like this is, has an end in sight anywhere soon. We are starting to see steps being taken uh, by governments all over the world and out here in the West in terms of sanctions and showing their support from a military standpoint, from a government standpoint. Um, but just at the end of last week, we did start to see um, international governing bodies uh, in terms of sports getting involved. First, the IIHF, followed then by FIFA. Um, the NHL has put out some statements uh, and just to kind of get everyone caught up on that, the IIHF International Ice Hockey Federation has said that all Russian and Belarus, uh, Belarusian teams are banned from participating in their international tournaments in any age division, uh, either gender division, indefinitely until further notice was the exact statement. FIFA followed suit. Neither Russia or Belarus are allowed to compete. Then the IIHF took it a step further. Russia was set to host this upcoming uh, World Junior Championship and then next year's World Championships. Both of those have been pulled out of Russia. Uh, I think before we get to the North American leagues, you and I are pretty much in agreement. Uh, This is absolutely the right move for these international governing bodies to take. Uh, I think it's right to pull the events from Russia. Obviously, it would be, I mean, it would be very weird to be like, Okay, Russia. Right. <laughs> we're very much not for what you're doing in Ukraine right now, but also thank you for putting on a wonderful <laughs> hockey tournament that we sent all of our players to. Like it would have been yeah. it would have been really like bizarre, right? So I think I think everybody just pulling the tournaments out of Russia was totally appropriate. Mm-hmm. I'm less comfortable with the banning of Russian athletes and, and Belarusian okay. athletes um, from those competitions. I know that back during the Cold War, before you and I were born, 
Yeah. Um, part of part of the discourse was American athletes going to certain Olympics and Russian athletes going to certain Olympics uh, and and boycotting the games in in certain years as right. as like their you know as like the geopolitical tension was rising back then. Uh, between yeah. between the two countries, and uh, I like, and I I understood that a little more than I understand this, where they're just like I I don't feel like the Russian athletes, like they're they're the, the government is the one that's up to it, right? Like they're the right. ones who are making the decisions. Um, yeah, and to say that hey, the, these Russian athletes can't participate in any of these tournaments, uh, it's kind of odd to me because it's. Like why do we why do we say they can't participate in WJCs but they can participate in the NHL? You know, like if you're right. if you're gonna kind of drop the axe on on Russian athlete participation in in events, then it's it's kind of odd to me that you're doing it in some events and not others. So I would prefer to them for them to continue right. to, to to just say, hey, like like we're not really in any at the moment we're not really in any immediate danger of the nhl losing a bunch of its star players and i don't think that right. i don't think that it should be i don't think the league should be facing that kind of situation um and, yeah. and it's, i think it's i i'm i'm kind of a, a little miffed on their behalf that they would be banned from things like wjc and, you know because because it is an opportunity you know and especially like you're talking about you know, I, I I can't tell you that I'm up on uh, uh, Belarus's WJC team, <laughs> but those that those kids usually get one cycle. You know, with the way the right. relegation and stuff goes, if they're good enough, they usually get one cycle to participate, and that's that's the highlight of almost all that's of their it. hockey careers. Right, and they aren't even getting that anymore. So, mm-hmm. I think that's tough. I think it's also I think it's similarly tough that how many North American players are staying over in the KHL. Yeah. No, no, they have, they have real money on the line. um, Right. And, and that they have to play for in order to, in order to get paid and, you know, for their, you know, to provide for their families and such. So at least I get, I get where they're coming from, but I think, I think that the banning of Russian athletes from participating in these tournaments if they're not on Russian soil, I, I'm a little uncomfortable with. The, the initial, what everyone kind of thought, what, what the IIHF and, and what FIFA initially did was say, okay, they kind of took the Olympic approach, the IOC approach, right? Okay, you can't compete under your flag, but you can't compete under the, I don't remember what name FIFA gave them. Like at the Olympics for the last few years, because of the doping stuff, they've been what, the Olympic athletes from Russia or something like that? Rock. Rock, yeah, 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 and uh, and that's what FIFA had said at first, and then went back and and did extend it to no, they just can't compete outright, and and you know the idea that they give is, well, that's a way for us to kind of put the squeeze on on these Russian, um, I guess entities that run these teams, run these organizations. The powers um, that and- be are definitely connected. You know, all right. of the people with money in Russia are connected to sports; they have heavy ties there. So I can mm-hmm. I can understand like that line of thinking, but ultimately right. you're saying who's getting punished here? Right, it's and, the players. And... It, it's 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 the people who just like uh, every every everybody was so quick to jump all over Ovechkin last week, 
and mm-hmm. defend him and 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 oh he's just an athlete you know well you know there are plenty of athletes out there who have not taken strong political stances in their careers right who are who are now at the center of punishment that had nothing to do with them right and i think that I, I think that sucks and so and so let's let's get into that a little bit because the regardless of where you stand, I think we can't, we can both get there in terms of the international stuff. I understand the, the, the train of thought there that a lot of the people at the top of those um, organizations, yeah. Russia, Belarus do have strong government ties. So, so I can, yeah. regardless of how you actually feel, I think everyone can at least see where those groups are coming from. For sure. I, I, I really tend to agree with you when it comes to the leagues here in North America and the first league that is really kind of, done anything where they've said hey we're not going to allow this is the chl the canadian hockey league which makes up uh the three kind of most prominent um not developmental leagues but basically hockey's equivalent pipeline of the ncaa all the main all the most of the big prospects come out of the canadian hockey league um and they have said that for their import draft uh they are going hard stop they are not allowing any russian players to be selected in the import draft for next year um and there also has been a push most recently by dominic hashik who said the nhl and any other pro leagues that have russian players should freeze and suspend all i actually think hashik called for the termination of all contracts Um, but the, the the support that is kind of rallied behind that is is the freezing of those contracts I, I, it's interesting, man, because I really do. I agree with a lot of what you said. It's like, man, you're really punishing people who have nothing to do with it, who 85% of the time don't even live in Russia, maybe even more than 85% of the time. You know, the famous, maybe the most famous outspoken Russian, at least in the NHL, is Artemi Panarin, who has straight up said, like, not going back there. (laughs) So why should players like that be punished yeah. When they really have nothing to do with it. And I guess the thought process would be, well, they can maybe funnel money back. I, I don't know. You shook your head pretty emphatically when I mentioned the Dominic Hoshik comments. Yeah, and I understood where Hoshik was coming from where he was like, this this should be condemned and I'm staunchly against this. But then he just went, he went into, uh, he went into the, he, he ventured into the, oh, if you're a Russian athlete, you represent your country and your country's values. And and it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> I'm like, hold on a second. Just because there's yeah. a culture in a country that you come from doesn't mean that you're automatically representative of that. You know, as much time as I spend up in Canada, you know, I'll tell you that when people find out that I'm American, the number of conversations that I've had about certain political things in the United States over the last six years, it's one of the first things that people want to talk to me about. And it's become like a litmus test of like, how much time do I want to spend talking to this person? And... Yeah, and I don't want to do that to Russian players. What did Andrei Svechnikov ever have to do with the invasion of Ukraine? Right. You know, like what's the? We haven't we haven't heard a word out of Balnachushkin his entire career about this stuff. Not not as far as I know. I went through his old Instagram yeah. and, and like I couldn't just just out of curiosity to see if there was a hint of anything. And I just I couldn't really find anything really concrete that tied Nachushkin to anything that might be considered 
a strong opinion about something, right? Right. And and so it's like, okay, well, Valachushkin spent his entire time, but he's just out here trying to play hockey. What do we? What do we? What, like, why is why would his contract? Like, he's about to get paid. Yeah. So he's having a career year on a championship caliber team. He's super important to Colorado. Yeah. Like, well, like you're gonna tell me that you're gonna upend both his career and a, a championship trajectory. Because of, because of all this, uh, and, and I just don't think I just don't think that that's right. Like, I understood where he started, and then by the time he got done, Pasha totally lost me. Lost you, and 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 you know, I I think go beyond Val Nachushkin. I look at the Rangers, Igor Shesterkin. They're, they're you know rookie goaltender, rookie-ish. Um, you know, maybe an MVP yeah. candidate, easily it's, the the like, favorite for top goalie right now. Absolutely. Um, and, and, you know, that – I mean, again, I know a lot of people had thoughts on Alex Ovechkin last week, but you look at the Capitals, he's definitely not their only Russian player. You're I mean, you're going to lose – Yeah, you're gonna, they're going to lose uh, Samsonov. They're going to lose Dmitry Orlov, Evgeny Kuznetsov, and Alex That's Ovechkin. Awesome. Right. Like, all right, there, there, there goes four regular contributors off of that lineup. Just Right. I, and And – like we're talking about this from a sports angle, but it's just like, to what end? Like, why are we? Do, why is this happening? And 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 that's and that is the part that I was wanting to touch to make sure that we got to is okay. If you're going to do that, where does it end? Where does it stop? Because are you just saying okay, well now it's anybody who's from Russia can't do it? Are you saying it's people who support it or or what? And it's just, you know, I, I tweeted it out. I think it was yesterday. We can sometimes forget, and I'm sure this is true for everyone all over the world, that you know not everything operates the same in different parts of the world, right? And you know the way that we look at things and the way that things are done here are different than the way that they're done every, pretty much everywhere else, right? And, and so it's hard uh, when, like you said, when when Hashik first started talking, I was like, yeah, you know, good to see a, a prominent figure from that region of the world speaking out against this type of stuff. But then once you start getting into that, I don't necessarily know if I want to use the word discriminatory, but you do start to like get into that realm a little bit when you're saying Russian players aren't allowed to play. And, and again, it's not just the NHL, although I think the NHL would easily be the most impacted. I don't know what the Russian numbers are for NBA, um, MLS, if, if uh, producer Yahir has any information on MLS stuff. Um, but it's just, it's really hard to blanket all Russian athletes with, if you're from there, you're not allowed to participate here. You really do just start blurring a line. And, and I just don't, I just don't think you can do that for, from a league standpoint. I mean, I don't think you can do it from a legal standpoint. I mean, you remember, right, you remember right. Donald Trump's first week of his presidency where he tried to ban certain people from coming from certain countries where it was like like the legal standing there was really really shaky and it didn't hold mm -hmm. up uh so i'm 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 you know not not to wade into to, to territory here but i'm just saying like i just i just don't think yeah like i like we're obviously we're like digging into the politics here as our comment section is starting to heat up right um, but like a, like in and i'm in agreement like i'm in agreement yeah. with the comment like i'm it's it's unbelievable to think that you are somehow representative of the of the decisions that 
your government makes in the country that you're from. You know, like it's crazy. Yeah. What do you got you here? Real quick, it doesn't affect a lot of MLS for the most part, but going back kind of to like what FIFA did, um, they're bad. They're taking like Champions League games and all this sort of stuff. Um, and you got to realize that a lot of these teams, even though there are a lot of Russian players, there's also a lot of international players on them. So you might have like Brazilians and some of these like Russian teams that are bad from playing in this, um, in the European competition from now on. And they're being affected when they're, they have no allegiance to the team at all or to the country they're playing in. Do you know what happened to the Russian World Cup qualifiers that were supposed to take place there? Did they pull them? So, yeah, like, Russia cannot participate. Poland, and I forget, I think Switzerland or Sweden, decided not to play their games. So people like, you're not playing in any qualifier games. They took away the Champions League final, which uh, revenue is around similar to what a Super Bowl is for all of Europe. Like, it's really, really similar to a Super Bowl. So they're like, they just take everything away from Russia. They can no longer play. And there's a lot of, like, international players stuck in Russia that can't leave right now. And that it's not by their own fault. It's just they're not Russian. They can be Brazilian, English, all these other Indians and all this. And they can't leave because they're part of the team and they're being sanctioned without having anything to do with it at all. Yeah, and, and that kind of goes back to, AJ, what you were talking about with, with some of those KHL players where it's like, look, they've got to make the decision. Do I, do I make the money to put food in my family's mouths or, or yeah. you know, and, and it's, there's so many layers to this. And, and, and like, once you know, the season ends, like uh, they can get right. out of here. Right. And like KHL was in an interesting spot because they had decided already to skip the rest of their season and get into their postseason. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you, you can't help but wonder, especially like we've talked about how tied in um, sports yeah. and politics are in Russia that, can't help but wonder if my, they, they might have had a, an inkling that this was coming and this, that that might be why they tried to accelerate the KHL postseason and just yeah. get straight into its playoffs. And yeah. if you're a North American player and you're just trying to play out your contract, you're probably thankful for that. And 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 it's it's just interesting because I, there was a comment that, that I know is, it's, it's kind of gone by now. Uh, or, you know, leagues aren't responsible for, for government actions, and I think that's kind of where you do – we were just asking the question, where do you draw the line? Um, when you're talking on a league-by-league league basis, I think you have to operate the best you can. I think the NHL has taken good steps to say, hey, we are pulling any consideration. There was a lot of talk that this year would be the first time ever there'd be exhibition games between NHL teams and KHL teams take place in Russia, take place in North America. Uh, I, I think they we are talked about it right. as part of the All Star Game weekend. Like uh, right, that, right. that would have been KHL great. Players over. Mm-hmm. And, Fuck and, all that. Right, that's the stuff where you're saying you're showing support by by saying we're not going to fund any money to that. But once you get down to an individual basis, it is really really hard for me to get on board with saying these specific players, yeah, are, are, aren't allowed to make money here because they're from a certain region of the world. I just think you're not really even making money. I mean, the, the import draft ban doesn't sit right either. You're telling me 16 and you know, 15, 16, 17 year old kids can't get can't get better career opportunities to be drafted and come over to the CHL. A, right. a 16 year old kid that maybe doesn't care at all about anything going on and can is no longer eligible to, to be given an opportunity to come over and, and just play hockey and, and maybe would have been more likely to leave given the environment. 
Yeah. You know, might have been more likely to say, hey, because, you know, when the, the conversation of drafting Russians in the import draft and NHL draft are kind of the same. Of It always starts with how interested is that player in coming across. Coming the over. Because Russia's culture is so different and is, is unique in a way that if you don't have an established Russian infrastructure, it can be difficult to convince, convince Russian players to come play for you. Yeah. You know, we had... We talked all about you know, over the last five years the bigger Russian pipeline that the Avs invested in. How yeah. they had drafted more Russians, how they were they were doing everything that they could to get more Russian talent into their system, and how once you get one Russian player, you get you get three, you get five, right? Because you have that infrastructure there, you have those guys there that you, that can help culturally. And now you're talking about cutting that out completely. And I just, I don't think I am, I'm, for me, it's a no. Uh, I'm against, I'm against this part of it. I'm all for, I'm all for the financial considerations of this, but in what way, in, in what way are you supporting Ukraine by cutting off a 16 year old hockey player's opportunity to play for the Bears? Right, right. And yeah, I mean, you can even take it a step further and saying, get away from. <laughs> That you know that that portion of the world, and and again, I mentioned Artemi Panarin of the New York Rangers earlier. That is someone who's been very outspoken, saying, "I'm here in America. I am not going back to Russia," and you know, very staunchly against what they do over there and the way that a lot of that regime runs that country. You're now limiting some of those kids from being able to get over here and maybe follow a similar path. Um, so it's just really interesting. The one last thing I'm going to say before we move on and get into some a little bit more. <laughs> lighthearted uh, uh, stuff. I have heard some, some swirlings that there is a little bit of nervousness. Now, obviously I don't think it's getting that close yet, or, or I don't know how much up for conversation it is that there's a little bit of nerves that if this carries on a long, you know, a long period of time that you could maybe be looking at governments from around the world saying, we're not going to grant visas, working visas uh, to Russian citizens. And obviously that would then have implications on, professional leagues here in North America or wherever those go into place. Especially the NHL, man. You look at if, if they cancel work visas for all Russians, where does the, you know, what happens to the, it reshapes the NHL overnight. Overnight, right. Yeah. And 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 you would think that I, I would have to imagine at that point, I don't know how successful it would be, but that you would see the NHL or, or whatever leagues are being affected, uh, you know, ask for waivers for their athletes if they've been here X amount of time. But that's why I just think this is such a hard thing to blanket because there are so many factors to it. If you've got dual citizenship, yeah. does that exempt you from it? And it's just, I just think it's, it's way too messy of a thing for, for any of these leagues to try to mess with. Um, and, and I think it would only actually cause a greater divide. And you're already hearing reports of, of people sending messages to Russian players um, you know, death threats and just, you know, bad things and booing them at, at, at sporting events. And I think you just would exacerbate all of that if, if you start implementing any of these bans. And, and I, so I think I texted you earlier. I, I, there's so much to this. I, I don't really know what to think, but, but I, I really do. I think you and I are pretty much on the same page now that from the international governing body standpoint, I get it. Um, you know, you, yeah. you have to do what you That's have to fine. do, pulling events out of the country yeah. and stuff. But once well, you I get think down I, I, I'm, I'm actually glad to see that they did that uh, because there was some concern, you know, that there have been some people just recently in the double IHF that were 
very, very, very pro-Russia. And there was conversation of like, look, you know, a change in leadership might have happened just in time because they might not have done that. And I think this is this is a good like I think these are good decisions. I think this is an easy decision. This was a layup. Yeah. For that last one. last little decision that I forgot to mention. This upcoming uh, World uh, IIHF Hockey World Championship was supposed to take place in, in or it is taking place in Finland. One of the arenas they're using is owned um, by a, a very high ranking uh, Russian official who's got a lot of ties to the KHL and back to the government. They are actually even pulling it out of that building again. It's just a way to, to try to put on. Uh, yes. Yep. Yep. Uh, so, you know, ju just trying to find ways to, to put financial squeezes there. But once you're targeting down on individual levels, um, you really start blurring that line a bit. So um, if this continues to carry on, AJ, I'm sure we'll get back into it again at some point. Um, I, you know, I'm sure it'll come back up because I do think it's, it's something that, you know, there was a comment saying, why are we talking politics? Because this is one of the few times where you really are seeing this bleed over into the sports world. Yeah. Um, it has major ramifications on what happens in sports. Internationally. I mean, you, can, you can bury your head in the sand all you want, but you can't for, in, in no way, like, especially in our hockey world. Like I can understand if you're an NFL only fan, you're like, okay. Right. Like, oh, there goes all the Russians that are at the NFL combine this <laughs> week, you know, and, and like it just doesn't infect you. But, you know, for us, it's it's such a the, – the NHL is so multicultural and it's so diverse that you're crazy if you think that this isn't going to have some sort of impact there. And uh, I know Riley asked the question, you know, is it going to affect locker room behavior? I would say probably not. These guys yeah, know each other. So. You know, they know each other and they spend a lot of time together. Maybe more time together now, now that there's actually no media allowed in the room. Yeah. Uh, and, and that they don't ever have to worry about a guy saying something that might be damaged, you know? Uh, yeah. In, in like a, in like an interview. Thing. Like they, these guys are closer than ever is what I'm saying. So I would, I would say that there's, in, unless, like, in, unless somebody comes out very, like, pro invasion right and it's like like taking a strong stance that everybody else is like definitely against i would say that i i have a hard time envisioning the locker room itself ostracizing a russian player yeah well you mentioned the combine a second ago which is the perfect segue into what we are going to be talking about next thing so we are going to get a little bit more lighthearted here and before we get into all that i do have to remind you guys about our phenomenal friends over at Ivaca. If you haven't been able to watch the Nuggets and Avalanche games, Ivaca TV. Uh, transition. That's right. Uh, totally new TV del delivery system that is less expensive, more efficient, and offers a superior picture than legacy providers. Most importantly, Ivaca TV has Altitude Sports, now available in Denver, Colorado Springs, Phoenix, Boise, and Twin Falls, Idaho. Uh, they're making it easy to follow the Colorado teams you love, including the Nuggets, Avalanche, Rapids, Mammoth. Plus, you'll access coverage. Uh, you'll have access to uh, coverage of the Rams, Pioneers, uh, and, and a lot of baseball, too, with AT&T Sportsnet, Rocky Mountain being added soon. Go to Ivaca uh, dot tv slash dnvr for only 25 dollars a month plus your receiver no contracts no hidden fees and the price is locked in 
for two years. Again, that is Evoca, E-V-O-C-A dot TV slash DNVR. Also brought to you guys by our great friends over at Ranch Rider Spirits. Uh, launched in 2019 and born from a food truck, food truck, uh, so you know it's good, in Austin, Texas. Employee-owned Ranch Rider Spirits is a premium spirit-based seltzer brand. They were the first to put ranch water, the iconic Texan beverage, in a can. Ranch Rider uses premium spirits like tequila, six times the distilled vodka, sparkling water, and fresh squeezed citrus. They do not use any added sugars or artificial preservatives. No sugar and no shit. After only two years on the market, they have established themselves as one of the top 10 fastest-selling alcohol brands in the country. To pick up your own Ranch Rider, visit ranchriderspirits.com to find a location near you. Uh, I am not a seltzer guy. These are pretty much the only ones I will drink. Uh, I, I don't care for a lot of them that are out there on the market. Uh, but those uh, our friends over at Ranch Riders do a great job. And, of course, we are brought to you guys uh, by DraftKings Sportsbook. When Covington and Masvidal step into the octagon this Saturday at UFC 272, DraftKings Sportsbook, the <laughs> only sports betting partner of UFC. Big uh, UFC guys here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as a knockout offer for new customers, bet just $1 on the main event and get $100 in free bets no matter what. First round knockout, you get paid. Majority draw, that's right, you get paid. Double knockout resulting in a no contest ruling. Yep, you get $100 in free bets no matter what the outcome is. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. That legitimately is my favorite feature of DraftKings. They're very quick. They're on top of it. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code DNVR. Just throw down $1 on UFC 272 main event and get $100 in free bets no matter what happens in the fight. That's code DNVR this Saturday at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only, new customers only. Minimum $5 deposit. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. And of course, if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. This is the, the Denver Sports Podcast brought to you by Breckenridge Brewery. Uh, I'm, Jess, I'm your host, Jesse Montagna, with AJ Hayfley. We got into all the, the Russia-Ukraine stuff. Uh, I, I think it was good that we, we did finally talk about it because it does affect the sport that you and I cover on a day-to-day basis uh, yeah. a lot more than all the others. Uh, we needed to find somewhere to talk about it, so I'm glad we were able to get into it. But let's bring this back a little bit more, uh, like I said, a little bit more lighthearted, a little bit more local here. Uh, AJ, the NFL Draft Combine, as you mentioned, has been going on this week. And there was conversation today that just really got me thinking. I know was you're it about hand size? It was about hand size. <laughs> For the record, that was a totally blind dart. I have paid no attention to the combine this year, uh, and don't know what I don't know what this is about. But I would be willing to bet as uh, that this is about hand size of a, of one of the quarterbacks. I don't know which one, but it's always this is always the dumbest conversation every year. And that is precisely what I always want to talk to you about. And, and his name is escaping me. Phenomenal journalism here. Um, but one of the few quarterbacks that is uh, projected to go in the first round. This is not a great um, 
draft class by most people's standards in the NFL this year. Um, yes, Kenny Pickett. Thank you very much, mm. Yahir, as always, Pittsburgh. coming in clutch. Um, Kenny Pickett's hands check in at eight and a half inches, about a half inch smaller than the typical nine-inch hands the NFL community wants to see. Yep. On Tuesday, George Payton, Broncos GM, said hand size is, quote, big in his evaluation of quarterbacks. That is from uh, our very own Zach Stevens at Zach Stevens DNVR, if you're interested uh, in following along. Adrian, it just not even necessarily the hand size thing, because I thought, like you said, I, I just think that's such a weird thing. Oh, it's a, there, his hands are a half inch smaller than what we like, so he's probably not going to be very good. Um, and we see it all the time. I know you're a huge prospect guy. Um, in the NHL, yeah. and we see guys, you know, dinged for shit like this all the time. Don't uh, don't spend a lot of time uh, worrying about NHL prospect hand size. I'll tell you that. Right. right. Uh, and you know, the 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 bike is always a big one. Uh, it was Casey Middlestat from the Buffalo Sabers a few years ago who was it a pull up? He couldn't yeah. do a pull up, and I mean, it sunk him. Sam Bennett too. Sam Bennett as well, yes. You know, and, and it dropped him way far in the draft. What is it about? Is this just like an old school scout thing that, hey, there are certain things that I want to see? Or or is there anything to some of this measurement? So I don't think I don't think that the hand size conversation is without some merit. The, the reason that the hand size conversation exists is because uh, the bigger the bigger a player's hands, the easier it is for them to hold on to a football. The less likely they are to get it stripped when, you know, in the traffic that is pass rushing in the NFL, right? So, like, right. the idea is smaller hands, more fumbles, you know, things like that. So, that's where, the, the like, that's where it's coming from, right? But, like, Alex Smith also had this problem <laughs> in his draft year. Alex Smith was drafted first overall ahead of Aaron Rodgers, like, infamously. And hand size was like one of the big conversations yeah. about that, which was, of course, at the time, insane. And of course, like all this time later, how much, how much does, how much did hand size dictate the two, the the outcome of those two careers? Right. Like, do, do are we, are we talking about like like Alex Smith suffered a devastating knee injury? And if his hands were bigger, maybe he wouldn't have. Yeah, well, like it's it, Aaron Rodgers. Like, is Aaron Rodgers going to go to the Hall of Fame someday because of his hand size? And so, like, there's like you say, okay, so there's some merit to the conversation. You can see where they're coming from. Right. But saying that's a big part of your evaluation. Like, I understand that every organization, their scouting, their scouting staff sets barometers, right? They set. This is this is the this is the a guy runs a, a forty in four point three four seconds. Obviously, that's going to be we like we like that. But right. for a certain position, what's the range that they don't like? Is it four point five? Is it four point four five? You know, is it a four point seven where you're just like, holy crap, he's not an he's not an NFL athlete at all. Get him out of here. Like, what is what are the parameters that they set up? And hand size is just one of those measurements that that they look for position i don't think it's meaningless 
But but for a GM to say it's a big part of the evaluation, really, how he is <laughs> the leader, how he reads defenses, how you know even how tall he is, how how his arm strength is, had like his college career. There's so many right. things, all these things that come into play. Like that's the only thing that was missing from that movie Draft Day was a controversy over the, over the guy's hand size. <laughs> Nobody goes to his birthday party, but we didn't talk about hand size in that movie. How did that happen? I don't know. It's, it's, it's crazy to me, man. Like, that's well, and, 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 and I think back to the last, and maybe before Drew Locke, because he's stuck a little bit longer than, than some of these last couple quarterbacks, um, young quarterbacks that have come through Denver, but that was something that a lot of people talked about. John Elway looked for the quarterback with size. For a couple of years there, it looked like he was literally just like looking at whichever the tallest quarterback was in the draft and taking them. Um, but again, like it's an example of becoming so in love with a certain physical type that you start yeah. to ignore other factors. And, and this is this starts going back to the analytics conversation, right? And, and I know I mentioned it with you. You know, I bring up the movie Moneyballs. It's a phenomenal movie. There's a lot of details missing from it, but one of the scenes that I think about is when, uh, you know, Brad Pitt, Billy Bean is, is first starting to like talk about, Hey, we're not, we're going to do this kind of non-traditionally and all the scouts are sitting there going, Oh, but his swing is beautiful. Like he's got such a, when he connects is such a nice swing. And it's like, yeah, that doesn't matter that his swing looks nice. And, and it's just so interesting. Again, 10 years ago, maybe Kale McCarr, no shot. He goes for overall because he's considered undersized. And it's just so funny how you get these scouts, these executives, general managers that decide they're into it, that they value a certain physical appearance more than what is actually done on the field, on the ice. How much of a problem do you think this still is? Or do you think people embracing analytics is really starting to filter some of this out? Oh, I think I think we're moving towards there being a healthier balance because if you look at like uh, an organization, I look at the Hurricanes. The Hurricanes do this, in my opinion, better than anybody. They accumulate draft picks and then they use all of their mid-round draft picks, rounds three through six. They use all of them on analytical darlings who are all five foot seven. You know, <laughs> guys who guys who pop in the analytics community and all a major physical wart that caused them to drop to that level anyway in the first place. And I think, I think they are how they do leaning so heavily into that is going to determine how other teams do it. You know, we see uh, Toronto is another organization that leans really heavily into uh, going, you know, maybe not necessarily like targeting guys who are five foot seven or whatever, but (laughs) You know, going after going after the not being afraid of them. The, yeah, like like being being confident in their evaluation and saying, all right, this guy is you know this guy's got this physical wart. Uh, uh, you know, he just happens to be short, or he happens to be really really skinny. Um, you, you know, for his size, and we're worried that he's not going to fill out. Well, that's why he's in the third round. But right. he's also scored sixty one points in twenty seven games. We're going to draft him, and we're going to let him see how he develops and how he grows up. And I think that that, that is, I, I think we're headed towards a healthier place uh, in, in, and I think this is all sports. You look at, you know, the NBA had to actually change its rules to protect itself 
from itself because they couldn't <laughs> stop drafting high school kids who couldn't play basketball because they could they were just drooling over uh, physical tools all the time. Literally, you know, I can't remember the Chinese player's name, but got drafted after only having pre-draft uh, workouts against a chair. Not against other players, but with a chair <laughs> sitting on the court. And got drafted in, in, at the top of the draft and was not a good NBA player and was out of the league very quickly. And it's like, like these leagues, like they had to, they had to do something about it to protect themselves. And you still see it. How, how often are juniors and seniors getting drafted high in the NBA draft? Like guys that know how to play basketball with developed basketball skill. And that it just doesn't, it's just not, it's not very many because those, the younger guys have more time to develop and are projectable and blah, 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 blah. Right. But that's true. That's true in all the sports. The youth is always going to be a big, a big attractor. But I I think you see more and more the analytics are meeting with traditional, uh, these traditional barometers. And look, like if you're, if you're saying, look, we don't want to, we, we, we aren't going to draft a guy that runs a certain time in the 40, or we're looking for a defensive end that does a three cone drill within a certain time frame here. And these are the guys that we're going to prior. Like that's all good and well, you need, you need to have your standards for your organization. That's basic stuff. You know, in the NHL, we talk about size so much, you know, when, when Kale McCarr got drafted, there were a bunch of people who are diehard avalanche fans who were like, great. They just drafted Tyson Berry. Like people who don't know what the hell they're talking about and didn't on that day and, you know, showed their ass a little bit. And and you you see it like people you know like you and I were like they didn't though, and right. like this is this is, like give this a, give this one a chance right? It's a it's way different. You look at Sam Gerrard; he's a, he's a very polarizing guy because he's five foot nine. He has to have certain he has to do certain things at a really high level to overcome that. It's just harder to do. So it's you know and and guys who are six foot two, six foot three, they get more leeway. You look at Jack, Jack Johnson hasn't been a very good NHL player for like four years. He's played his thousandth game the other day because right. you just, you just get that leeway when you have, yeah. when you have traditional measurements that, that fit the mold of, of what they see as a, as a guy that, that matches their archetype. It's just different. You get extra chances, but the, where the analytics communities in all of the sports and they've all had different approaches and they've all had different speeds with which they've taken over their sports. But talking about something like hand size at the combine is so 1995. But it's also <laughs> not like irrelevant, right? It's, it's not irrelevant, but how big of a piece of the pie is it? Well, and, and you know, you, you made the comment about like having your standards for you guys running a 40 or doing a certain drill or whatever. That's one thing when you're just purely talking about their physical build and that being, you know, where you have hard standards. Well, they aren't tall enough. They aren't this or that. I just think you are closing yourself off to so many potentially good to great players because yeah, of reasons, you know? Well, and then it, it like you're the organization that is open-minded to these, to these guys with warts, but it's also now harder because you're taking guys that need more work or guys that need specialized work 
and you're having to work harder to get something out of them. So there's a there's a give and take there. If they fit within your traditional parameters, one, you know how to develop that guy. You've done it a bunch of times. So you're more comfortable in that development process. But two, if you're if you're focusing on, all right, well, we want to be the island of misfits. Well, now you've got to try and make all the misfits fit together, which obviously is antithetical. So <laughs> it's you know, it's there's a balance that you have to draw. And it's always it's always this case. Every pro analytics person in the freaking world should tell you, and I say should, not would, because some are bad, but should tell you that you need to find the balance between them, that they build off of each other, that they aren't meant to succeed one versus the other. They're meant to make each other better. It's supposed to be a rising tide raises all boats, and too often it gets pit into analytics versus eyes. Who's the real bad guy? <laughs> and it's like nine analytics versus eyes, right? Like it's <laughs> it's not like that. Like this is not the last stage of a Smash Brothers game. Okay, there's no, no. showdown here. You're no. working together to make an organization <laughs> successful. Yeah. No, it's it's. It, I just I saw that today, and I love that you even guessed it just based on like the little nugget that I had given you on what we we're going to be talking Every about. Every year, bro. <laughs> I Every love that you year. nailed it. Um, AJ, do you have any final thoughts on anything we talked about today? Any points that you didn't get to make that I cut you off on or anything? Uh, I will say uh, I would love to talk more about the NHL Combine on our show, the specific one, just because I think mm-hmm. it, it more so than the NFL Combine, I think the NHL Combine still has a place and a purpose. I think the NFL Combine is an outdated, archaic, weird little meat bucket. Um, and I would not, if I was a player, I would not be going. Yeah, but no, I, uh, um, the NHL, I think, is still I think it's still a really good resource. No, and, and and I mean, you know, especially as we get later into the year and into the summer, we have plenty of shows. So I'm positive when it's talking about it. But um, yeah. I do think this is all interesting conversation. And, and the more that you see players that kind of break the stereotypical physical mold break into all of these leagues, I, I think it's only going to become more of a topic of conversation um aj we have a game getting right re- we're getting ready for you're up in winnipeg so i really appreciate you man jumping on here a little bit early with me and uh talking about all this stuff and some uh controversial topics that need to be talked about uh and then just some really funny hand size stuff that uh, one that one guy definitely <laughs> is not coming back he was yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah but hey that's what we're here to do right not make people mad but make people think uh, AJ, thank you so much. Yeah, here. Uh, appreciated you jumping in, uh, putting your two cents in there, and as always, putting all this together for us, uh, making sure everyone can see us and hear us. Uh, big shout out to you as always. For AJ Hayfley, I'm Jesse Montano. This is the Denver Sports Podcast, brought to you by Breckenridge Brewery. We will talk to you guys next week. <laughs>